The following program is produced and furnished in conjunction with Derek Dorch of the Diversa Group, which is entirely responsible for its content. Welcome to Fed Access with Derek T. Dorch on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. Now your host, Derek T. Dorch. Welcome to Fed Access with Derek T. Dorch on Federal News Radio, 1500 AM. With that, we're glad that you joined us. We'll be talking about security clearances with one of our favorite guests today, Evan Lesser. He's a founder and president of ClearanceJobs.com. You can find them on ClearanceJobs.com, but it's a great site in which you can find jobs. If you have a security clearance, everything from a secret or confidential all the way to a top secret SCI with a full poly, it's a place you want to be on. So make sure you check out ClearanceJobs.com. Today we're going to be talking about the security clearance process. We've got some good news, I think, in terms of some of the backlog is dropping down. So Evan's going to give us some background about those different areas. Hey, Evan, welcome to the show. Hey there, Derek. Good to talk with you. Hey, tell us what's going on with the clearance processing times. I mean, a lot of people have been waiting. We've been Every time we talk, it's more about, you know, 500 days or 400 days. What's going on right now? Well, it's gotten better. Um, DCSA, which is the relatively new defense counterintelligence and security agency, came out with some um, fairly updated numbers. Um, Q4, uh, the most recent numbers they have show 295 days for a top secret clearance. And that's actually down from a high that was um, about 500, um, roughly a year ago. Yeah, I remember. But it, was, it, was, it was almost it was a year, almost a year and a half that it was going before, almost a little, almost two years. Yeah, yeah. So 500 days was kind of the, the maximum high we've seen it. They're they're down to 295 days for top secret. For secret security clearances, it's down to roughly 181 days, and the high for secret clearances was around 300 days. Um, so, yeah, the, the government's made some good strides and in, in, um, in, in developments in terms of getting overall processing times down. You know, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about the backlog and about continuous evaluation, but processing times, I think, has been the biggest thorn in the sides of, uh, of industry in terms of trying to get people on board in, in a relatively you know, decent time frame. What was the change, Evan? I mean, what 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 dramatically changed? I mean, was it, are they bringing in more resources? And also, talk to us about this new agency. I mean, is a new agency kind of coming on board right now? Are they replacing the NBB, the National Background uh, Bureau? I mean, what's going on with kind of the dynamics of the internal changes that's happening right now? So, you know, years ago, um, the DoD did the bulk of DoD and industry um, security clearance investigations, and then. Um, you know, years ago, the, the problem that they were seeing is that the backlog was getting large, you know, 200, 250,000 people. There were some issues with clearance processing, and they decided at the time we're going to move all of the investigations over to OPM. OPM took a hold of investigations for a while. They created the National Background Investigation Bureau, which you, you mentioned, and roughly a year to a year and a half after the National Background Investigation Bureau got their hands on all security clearances, got new people up and running, trained, and, you know, made some changes to the process. People started talking about, hey, we should move it back to the DOD. And uh, that's essentially what they did. So the uh, Defense Counterintelligence and Security Agency recently picked up all security clearance investigations again for DOD and industry, um, you know, pulled it away from from OPM and the NBIB. Um, you know, and, and initially it, it looks like the move was uh, was beneficial in, in terms of clearance processing times. I, you know, arguably, they were high underneath um, OPM and the NBIB, but they really had barely gotten their feet wet with the process before people were already starting to talk, talk about, you know, moving it back to the DOD. 
So whether they would have come down underneath NBIB or whether they would have stayed uh, stayed the same or gotten worse, who knows? It is worth noticing that the Defense Counterintelligence and Security Agency is head up by the same gentleman that was running the NBIB, and a lot of the employees are the same. A lot of the processes are the same as well. So there are some changes, um, mostly the the authority looking over the whole process, but uh, some things are, are are just about the same. Long story short. You know, seeing the numbers come down is great. That's exactly what industry was looking for. Mm-hmm. And the hope is that they'll keep getting, you know, shorter and shorter uh, to the point where, you know, people can actually look at hiring someone off the street again and getting them a clearance rather than having to pull from the existing supply. Right, right, right. Is it, is it right now in terms of kind of the, the job market for those who were, you know, either on contract with NBIB I mean, they got pulled into uh, defense uh, sec- uh, counterintelligence and security agency. Did most of those people keep their jobs in terms of kind of the background investigators and all the other kind of people? I know there was some worry at some point in time that those people may kind of get pushed out somewhere. Did most of them get pulled back over? Yeah, I'd say a large, a large portion of them didn't get um, to essentially keep their job, but just, you know, essentially reporting to a different agency. Um, a lot of the contracting companies who were helping out with investigators, uh, investigations got moved over as well. So I think one of the things that everyone was worried about about a year ago when they started talking about making this move is anytime you move um, you know, hundreds of thousands of records from one agency to another, mm-hmm. you're going to change processes, you're going to change people, you're going to have new red tape, you know, there's uh, infrastructure to set up. People were worried that that switch alone was what was going to increase processing times, but they seem to have mitigated that pretty well. And at this point, to see clearance processing drop in Q4 of this year um, is pretty remarkable. I don't think really anyone expected it because for most of 2019, it had kind of hovered around fairly high levels. And then starting last quarter, it started to drop a bit. Well, those are some major numbers. I mean, to go down to 295 from 500 something, you know, that's like a major, major drop. So, I mean, I guess something is happening right. Is that good news for those who are, you know, trying to get into this market right now? I mean, you know, even those people who were like saying, listen, I need to get a security clearance to get into the market. Are we seeing a lot more hiring right now of people who don't have security clearances? Are we seeing more government contractors who are more kind of optimistic about bringing those kind of people on in? I mean, what are we seeing right now in terms of that hiring? Is there any kind of increases that are happening? Well, if there are any increases in hiring, it's really due to um, uh, budgets and projects and timing. Um, I mean, at 295 days, for top secret clearance, and, and these days most jobs require a top secret or higher. Mm-hmm. 295 days is still way too long to pluck someone off the street who has a good skill set and say, "Hey, we're gonna we're gonna get you a clearance." Right. That's almost a, still almost a year. Wait. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, it's down, which is great, but it's still it's still untenable. Uh, most candidates don't want to wait 295 days for top secret clearance. Most employers can't wait um, that long. And to keep in mind. The 295 days for a top secret clearance is um, representing the fastest 90 percent of cases. There's still 10 percent of cases out there, which is a pretty good number that are well over 295 days, Um, even at 181 days for a secret security clearance. That's that's quite a lot of time. And and that's mostly end to end processing from when you submit your forms to when you get an uh, adjudication back. There's still a lot of time it takes to gather your information to fill out the standard forms um, online and and to get them submitted in and you know that can be another you know, 30 to 60 days depending on your background and right um 
how, how much time it takes you to do that. So, yeah, 300 days, great improvement, but still way too long for most um, defense industry employers to deal with. Evan, are we, see, are we going to see any kind of changes on the SF forms or the equip or anything like that? I mean, with this whole new agency and the new concepts and everything else, are there any kind of changes that, are coming, that you're hearing about that we'll see with the whole forms and, or what they're asking of people? Well, in just the past week um, on the clearance job site, we put out um, a little bit of news talking about how lawmakers are, are thinking about getting more lax with um, marijuana usage. Hmm. And I know you and I have talked about we this talked about in, that extensively, in, in yeah. places. Yeah, yeah. In, in places where uh, states where marijuana uh, recreational use or medicinal use is, is legal, um, that doesn't really change anything on the federal level from the from the aspect of a security clearance. Um, even using marijuana for medical purposes um, is still not seen as a as a positive thing with regards to a security clearance. However, the government realizes that with states legalizing it, more and more people using it, and new studies and, and science coming out about you know, regardless of what our personal beliefs are about it, new science mm-hmm. coming out to saying mm-hmm. maybe it's not as bad as as some other things. Um, yeah, the, the government in the past week has started saying maybe we need to uh, relax um, this on a federal level, specifically with regards to uh, background checks and security clearances. You Don't think, know where we will head. You but think it'll get it, to the point where it's side. almost like alcohol, where you, you know, as long as you don't drink on the job or as long as you don't do this on the job, you think we'll get to that point where, you know, hey, federal government workers, you can still use it as long as you don't do it on the job. Is, will we get to that point or what are you hearing? What are you thinking? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm guaranteeing we will. If the total population of people with security clearance hasn't dropped by, had not dropped by 30 plus percent over the last five years, they probably wouldn't be thinking about it. But there are so few security cleared workers to go around right. and unemployment is low across the board in the industry and out of the industry. You know, if, if marijuana usage is prohibiting a, a skilled person from getting a security clearance, then you can understand how it would probably come back and um, be more of a national security threat um, by denying someone a clearance who had a squeaky clean record except for marijuana usage versus the other side, which would be, um, you know, bringing them on board and, and, you know, if the only thing that's bad in their background is, is marijuana usage. So it's, um, it's give and take for sure. But I think with the current number of security cleared people being so low, the government is looking for ways to uh, potentially increase the pool. And if marijuana usage allowing, uh, you know, less restrictions on that is a way to do it, then so be it. Evan, we got to take a quick break. When we come back, I want to talk about continuous evaluation and talk about the other topics that we talked about as well, kind of going forward and what can we expect in this clearance market and some concerns in the clearance market as well. We get some good news, but then also talking about some things that people need to be aware of in the future as well. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. We're talking to Evan Lester. He's the founder and president of clearancejobs.com. Check their website out at clearancejobs.com. clearancejobs.com. If you have a security clearance or you're looking for a security clearance worker, then they're a good site for you to, as a good resource. So check them out. We'll be right back. You're listening to Fed Access with Derek T. Dorch on Federal News Radio, 1500 a.m. Welcome back to Fed Access with Derek T. Dorch on Federal News Radio, 1500 a.m. If you're just joining us, then we've been talking about security clearances. Hot topic right now, but we just have some good news in terms of the backlog is starting to drop. The number of clearances, the number of days that it's taking to get security clearances is starting to drop. So that's good news. It's still too much 
but we're getting some good news about what's going on. We have Evan Lester on the line right now. He's the founder and president of clearancejobs.com. It's a great site in terms of clear workers. If you've got a clearance, you should be on that site with your resume on there. There are a number of government contractors and government agencies who are looking for people with clearances right now. And if you're an agency looking for somebody, then that's also a great place to find some good talent. Hey, Evan, what's going on in terms of the backlog right now? I mean, break that down about what, what's going on and, and wh- what can we expect going for the future? So uh, about a year ago, um, the security clearance backlog, and that, that's um, all the people that are either awaiting their initial final clearance for the first time or undergoing um, a background check for um, uh, essentially a periodic reinvestigation, I should say. So about a year ago, there were um, 725,000 people that were in that in that pipeline, and uh, it was just a huge number. You know, years ago, people were complaining about the backlog being 200, 250,000. So when it got to 725,000, it, it was an eye opener for sure. But that was roughly a year ago. Now um, there have been a lot of uh, improvements in terms of the backlog. They've thrown people, money at it. They've changed some processes. Um, the DCSA has um, taken over. Um, all of those cases, and now the the backlog they they recently reported is down to two hundred sixty seven thousand cases. Wow, wow! So that's a huge, that's yeah, a it's a huge, huge drop. That's almost um, a million people, and, and the, then it drops down to you know about two hundred fifty thousand almost. That's crazy. Yeah, two sixty seven is the current number. So it's still pretty big, but um, it's it's definitely down uh, considerably, um, and and that's a much bigger drop than than anyone had kind of assumed. So. You know, it should continue to drop. I, I think the important thing to remember is that it will never hit zero. Mm-hmm. Um, the process, the way it's designed, um, is kind of created to handle a, a stream of, of cases, essentially a, a low-level inventory. And the inventory they've talked about is anywhere from 200 to 250,000. If it can hover around that amount, then it's working um, at, at proper capacity. So. 267 is not far off that mark. Huge improvement and definitely one of the uh, the bright spots in terms of clearance processing um, over the last 12 months. You know, Evan, you've been doing this for a long time. What's the ideal, I mean, in terms of kind of days to get a person cleared? I mean, what's that? What's kind of utopia for you? I mean, of course, we would want an instantaneous process, but what would be kind of utopia for you and, and for the industry if if everything was working great, right? If the you know if these new agencies got on board and everything was kind of working perfectly, what would be the ideal number in terms of things working very very smooth? Well, one of the things that you know we've talked about in the past, and honestly, doesn't make a whole lot of news until it becomes an issue, is the government balancing quantity of investigations versus the quality mm-hmm. of investigations, and it, it's it's constantly ebbing and, and flowing. And it seems like for a couple of years, everyone's focused on the numbers and how do we get these numbers down and how do we get things to go faster? And then the unfortunate flip side of that is that people fall through the cracks. Investigations um, are sped up and the quality uh, isn't where it should be. And, um, you know, a number of years ago when we were in the same situation we're in now, um, albeit with better numbers, um, everyone said we got to speed up the process. They sped up the process, and then uh, a lot of news came out about how certain contractors were um, you know, falsifying investigations mm-hmm. to get them through quicker, and people were rushing through investigations to, to get them through the process faster. We had a lot of uh, people that should have been uh, denied a clearance, getting a clearance. We had Edward Snowden. We had Aaron right. Alexis. We had um, Reality Winner and, and a few others, and 
you know, when you take a look at people who have this privileged access and then you check out their background and there are, you know, glaring red flags that said, you know, this prob- person probably shouldn't have had a clearance. That's when we start to talk about quality of investigation. So right now we're at the one point of the ebb where we're talking about um, uh, quantity and everyone's all about the numbers are coming down, the numbers coming down, you know, it's shorter and shorter to get a clearance. You know, they may not be great, but they're getting better. The unfortunate problem is that, yeah, would we like to have someone be able to get a clearance in 30 days? We, we would, but is that is setting that us up for failure right. on, yeah, on, on the other end where investigations are being rushed and people are getting clearance that shouldn't have it, and then you end up with more national security threats and, God forbid, another Edward Snowden. I mean, honestly, the reason, one of the reasons, I should say, that clearance processing times are so large is because after Edward Snowden, the government said, we need to you know, take a look at this process again. We need to clamp down. We need to um, classify more and more positions at higher levels rather than lower levels. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and we need to cull the cleared workforce. And all the stuff has kind of combined together to create the perfect storm that, we're, that we were in and, and is slowly getting better of, uh, you know, but you know what? 25,000 people in the backlog. You know, Evan, I mean, that dropped from that 700,000 to two, I mean, 267. I mean, that's kind of a big, I mean, do you think that's because the quality has gone down? Do you think that they were kind of just rushing through to get those people through or those people have been in the queue for quite some time and then maybe some changes happen with the new agencies and the new alignment and everything else? That's a large number to drop people down to, to, to get the backlog down for, you know, from that's like 500,000 people almost. I know, and, and I, I would be lying to you if when I saw that number, uh, my first thought was elation, and then my second thought was fear. <laughs> right, um, I'm sure. <laughs> you know. Of course. I, yeah. I'm sure, yeah, I'm sure the quality of the investigations is fine, but it only takes one person slipping through the cracks right. for there to be another Edward Snowden coming out. You know, and then Edward we're Snowden back where we started at um, again. slipped through the cracks. Yeah, and then we're back where we started at again. Yep. So. This is not a, the kind of process where um, you can make a couple of mistakes and it's okay and we'll learn from it and we'll move on. You know, one person falling through the cracks, one person getting clearance that shouldn't have um, is going to cause a, a massive amount of, uh, could have the potential to cause a massive amount of problems. You also don't know right away. I mean, uh, if you look at the history of Edward Snowden and Aaron Alexis or, or others, there were things in their background that had popped up over time that, you know, somebody didn't notice, mm-hmm. or the process didn't notice. And I know we'll talk about continuous evaluation in a minute, which is kind of their answer to that. But if there was a bad investigation yesterday, we probably won't know about it for months, if not quarters or years. Right. And let's go into that. I mean, you know, I mean, there are certain things about people and about whether it be their personality. I mean, especially Edward Snowden, Snowden wrote a book and I looked at his book and it kind of seemed as if he had a couple of things that were already kind of indicators that, you know, what he may start, you know, either his mindset was going in a certain direction or, or something of that sort that would kind of give a person an indicator that, hey, there's a, there's something of concern right here. With continuous evaluation, is that beginning to look at that kind of stuff right now, that insider threat type stuff? What are we looking at in terms of continuous evaluation? So, you know, back um, years ago, especially when Edward Snowden popped up, the main way that an agency would learn that you are no longer suitable to hold a security clearance if you currently have one um, would either be through the periodic reinvestigation process. And that would happen every five, 10 or 15 years, depending on the level of clearance. 
um, five for top secret, 10 for secret, and 15 for confidential. And, you know, essentially, uh, at a minimum, you'd be going five years in between, uh, assuming a top secret clearance, you'd be going for five years before you had to um, get that periodic reinvestigation, which would take a look at you again and determine, hey, should this person still hold a clearance? Are they still suitable? Five years is a long time. A lot can change with uh, a person's background in five years. Right. So, you know, the government was asking people to self-report when something changed in their background that could cause them to be deemed unsuitable. So I've had you know, foreign connections or I'm doing foreign travel or I'm opening a business that has foreign connections or I got a DUI or I'm going through a divorce or I won the lottery or I'm declaring bankruptcy or whatever the case may be. You're supposed to self-report that stuff. The problem is that a lot of people don't self-report. And the reason that Edward Snowden was a turning point is because it really opened government's eyes to say, one, you know, as much as we trust our employees, we can't trust everybody to report everything all the time. And two, five years is a heck of a long time to wait in between periodic reinvestigations for someone holding a top secret clearance. So that's when the idea of continuous evaluation um, was born. And the way that continuous evaluation works through the Department of Defense is that they've got automated processes that looks at each person that's um, in the program and they're pulling automated record checks. Um, in, in the future, they'll be pulling from other government agencies, but they're essentially looking at certain things online that would raise uh, potential red flags. It could be credit or financial transactions. It could be suspicious transactions, foreign travel, uh, potential links to terrorism, um, and things like that. And when those pop up, then the red flag pops up, and then an investigator can quickly check it out. So... Has it gone so far where they're doing social media monitoring on a regular basis or are we still kind of getting to that point? Yeah, they're doing some of that. Um, Most of the social media um, is being checked out by investigators as they look at a person, um, often to corroborate information or to um, uh, get some additional details on a person. But presently, um, there are roughly 1.4, 1.5 million people um, that are currently enrolled in the DOD's continuous evaluation program. And the DCSA has recently come out saying that they really want to get um, about 3.6 million people enrolled in the program by the end of 2020, wow. um, which would be a, a pretty big, you know, a, a big pretty number. big uh, yeah. increase. Yeah, it's, it's a big number. And, and so far, continuous evaluation has worked pretty well. And they've found a number of people who, you know, got these red flags pop up and were able to check them out and take action. So it, it seems to be working pretty well. And I think that's the biggest hope to reduce the backlog and to um, hopefully prevent another um, Edward Snowden from kind of slipping through the cracks. Well, that's some good news. That's some good news. We've got to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk to Evan about some other jobs that are starting to pop up. We always talk about cybersecurity jobs, but there are some other things that are starting to pop up in the industry right now in terms of security clearance jobs. So some good news that is happening today. We've got some good news for the holidays. But we're talking to Evan Lesser. He's a founder and direct, a founder and president of clearancejobs.com. If you've got a person who you're looking for, if you're an agency or a contractor, you're looking for the right kind of talent who has a clearance, it's a great site to be on. If you're the talent and you have a clearance, it's a great site for you to be on. Good advice, good news, and everything else that's on there, clearancejobs.com. We'll be right back after this break. Listen to Fed Access with Derek T. Dortch on Federal News Radio, 1500 AM. Welcome back to FedEx with Federal News Radio on 1500 AM with Derek Dortch. 
We're talking about a number of different things today. We're talking about the security clearance process. We're talking about a number of different things as it relates to what's been happening as it relates to the backlog, what's been happening in terms of continuous evaluation, what's been happening in terms of security clearance processing time. We've seen dramatic drops in a number of different things, which is good news as we're going to the 2020, but we want to make sure that things are being done right in terms of these jobs and security clearances, the continuous evaluation process, making sure that Edward Snowden doesn't get back into the government and start revealing secrets and anything else. So there's a number of things that are happening right now that we need to continue to be monitoring. We're talking to Evan Lesser. He is the expert on this stuff. He's the founder and president of clearancejobs.com. They've been monitoring this stuff since their inception, and so they know what's going on. Hey, Evan, you know, there's a number of different things that are happening in terms of cybersecurity. We always hear about the, 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 the number of cybersecurity jobs that are out there. But what else is out there right now that's maybe getting, maybe getting you know, is it more accountants? Is it more I, other IT people? What else are we starting to see? Yeah, I, I mean, even though the, the bulk of, um, uh, of jobs not only listed on the clearance job site, but the, the bulk of positions that employers are hiring for are in, in IT, uh, there are other positions out there. And, and just, you know, quickly touch on IT and then we'll jump over. From, from IT, it, it runs the gamut. You know, most of the jobs out there are in software development, um, there's quite a lot in hardware, obviously, cybersecurity, um, tech support, tech writing, uh, quality assurance and stuff like that. But, you know, you and I talk about that stuff all the time. I, mm-hmm. I, I wanted to touch on just a little bit about some of the other positions out there. You know, people um, with security clearance come to us and say, you know, I'm, I'm a lawyer. I happen to have a security clearance. Are there jobs for me? Or uh, I'm a physician or, or a PA or, or someone else in, in the medical field with security clearance. Are there, are there positions for me? And there's really quite a lot out there. And, you know, just touching on, on some of them, uh, you know, off, offhand, um, there are a decent number of jobs that, um, you know, for legals or uh, lawyers or legal professionals that require clearance. Uh, there's a good amount out there for um, construction, um, facilities, maintenance, um, a, lot of, uh, a lot of blue-collar stuff. Um, there's quite a lot of jobs out there in um, finance and accounting, um, uh, contracts management, um, a lot of, lot of positions out there. Um, right now in, in government, there's so many um, new contracts being awarded that um, budget positions, finance positions, accounting positions are really um, in, in pretty high supply. Um, we don't talk about intelligence that much, but there's a, just a, a boatload of intelligence jobs. Intelligence is becoming more and more technical. So uh, the government and industry is looking for everything from full motion video analysts, um, counter intel folks, um, digital signal processing, um, all source analysts, um, trainers, everything you can think of uh, with regards to, um, to intelligence. If you had to give some advice to maybe kind of a new person, maybe coming out of college or even a job changer, it sounds as if there's a lot of kind of uh, this is the time where you should build up your technical skills. Would you kind of say that? I mean, maybe kind of find uh, either a, a technical specialty, like you mentioned, a full motion video or ArcGIS or uh, maybe even some accounting skills or auditing skills or things like that. Is this, is this the time where you should go back and get those skills right now if you want to kind of get into this market? Yeah, I mean, not everyone uh, enjoys tech jobs. Not everyone wants to be a, you know, a techie or an engineer. And that's okay. Um, there are so many additional positions out there from, you know, law enforcement to uh, program project management, logistics, um, you know, linguists, trainers, instructors, security, plenty of stuff around uh, visual and creative jobs. And 
you know, in, in terms of skill sets, one of the interesting shifts I think we've seen over the last maybe five or so years is that the government and industry is increasingly looking for people with security clearance that have really specific skill sets. And, mm-hmm. you know, whether you call them a subject matter expertise or something else, you know, it used to be that a decade ago, if you had like super specific um, um, knowledge about, you know, some rarely used language or, you know, how to ship a certain piece of technology um, across the world in a short amount of time, or if you had a background in um, uh, teaching something very specific around um, security or force protection or, um, you know, emergency response for mm-hmm. you know, biological threat or something, you know, really yep, super specific C-Burn. stuff. Yep. A decade, mm-hmm. yeah, a, a decade ago, that would have been seen as, you know, we, we need someone more of a jack of all trades. But now it seems like, uh, more and more uh, employers and government agencies are asking for people with really specific, deep knowledge about subjects that to most people, you know, we just scratch our heads at. But I think that that's been an interesting change. And just because you have um, very directed experience with something doesn't mean you're you're unmarketable. And in fact, these days, I would say it it might make you more um, more marketable um, if you hold a security clearance and have that you know kind of unique information under your belt. So basically what we're hearing is that the cybersecurity market is still thriving, but there's also other areas that are also very much so thriving. So this market is still very, very ripe for people maybe coming out the military who want to transition or coming out of certain areas. If they have those clearances, they'll be very, very, uh, they'll be sought after at a high demand. Is that what we're hearing? Is that what we're saying? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, with the Internet, what it is today, you can do a search um, all over the place for security clearance jobs and, even on the clearance job site, you know, if you look at a page of 50 jobs, you're probably going to find 35 to 40 out of those jobs are in tech. But we, you know, we don't want people to be discouraged because there are so many tech jobs out there. Um, There are plenty of other positions open um, in increasing numbers. And regardless of what you do, you don't have to switch and and attempt to be a a technologist or engineer in order to get a, a good high paying quality security clearance jobs. There's quite a lot out there. You just just need to do maybe a little bit more digging. You know, Evan, you just mentioned something about locations. Are are we starting to see security clearance positions kind of more out of D.C.? I mean, are we starting to see kind of them more across the nation, or what are you seeing with that kind of stuff in terms of locations? Yeah, that, that's actually a really good point. Um, so you think back to seven, eight, nine years ago, um, there were a couple of things that are different from now. The, the first is seven, eight or nine years ago, everything was very geocentric around Metro DC and, and other, you know, pretty large areas where there's a heavy concentration of military and contractors, um, El Segundo, California, Tampa, Florida, Huntsville, Alabama, um, you know, Wright Patterson Air Force Base around there in, in, in Ohio. What we've seen recently are, are two trends. The first trend we've seen is more jobs, more spread out. And we're seeing um, classified work centers opening up around the country where the government is trying to diver- di- yeah, sorry, can't talk today, trying to diversify um, talent and audiences. They understand that they can't force everyone to relocate to DC. They can't force everyone to, to relocate to the coast, that they need to open more uh, classified facilities around the country um, to support um, government agencies and, and, and for contractors as well. So we are seeing more jobs in more locations. The other thing that we're seeing, interestingly, is uh, more telework. 
Hmm. And a decade ago, if, if you said that I want to work from home um, and I have a security clearance, you know, you'd kind of that get was, that was a no go. Yeah. Say, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah right. that, that's, that's, you know, keep dreaming. That, that's not going to happen. Right. Um, these days we're finding more and more jobs are allowing a worker to work from home for um, a certain part of the week. And, and that mm. has to do with the evolution of technology with uh, VPNs and um, secure channels into, um, you know, contractor systems, mm-hmm. um, you know, a dual authentication login or triple authentication login. It's much more secure now to work at home than it was even three or five years ago. So we are seeing quite a large number of uh, new positions coming where, yeah, if you want to work from home and don't mind using, you know, uh, a work computer with a pretty specific process and a couple of uh, pieces of software you're going to need to use to, to tunnel into your uh, your company systems or agency systems, yeah, you could work from home for a, a day or two a week. And we're, we're seeing a lot more of that. You know, the private sector has been moving in this direction for quite some time. I, do you think the government's starting to catch up to this a little bit more? I mean, because of the need of employees and the need, and that we're losing so many people, you know, from the government industry to private sector? Is, is this where this is coming from? Yeah, yeah, in, in completely. It, you know, when you compare, um, and this usually happens when unemployment drops, when uh, unemployment is uh, is high and, um, you know, clear jobs are the only place where there's kind of a, a bright star. Um, you know, in the past, government's like, no, we want you to come into the office. You're going to have to work from a, a cubicle like everyone else. But now the government has to compete against industry, uncleared industry for talent. And if you've got companies saying, yeah, you can work from home three or four days a week, um, that's perfectly fine. Uh, government and industry, um, you know, uh, national security industry has to say, okay, we, we can't compete with that. We got to figure out what we can do. So right. they've started to create and utilize third party technology that, that lets someone work from home in a secure fashion and still work on classified um, projects. Is it risky? Yeah, it, it's a little bit more risky, but I think um, they've done enough risk analysis to know that we need to offer things like that in order to get people to stay in the national security um, workspace. So right. I think you'll see more of that in the future. And as technology improves and gets more secure, I think you, you'll see more of that um, down the line. That's outstanding news. We have to take a quick break, but when we come back, we're talking about some apps that are some concerns for the security clearance community right now. We're talking to Evan Lesser. He's the president and founder of clearancejobs.com. Check them out on clearancejobs.com. You can find a number of different positions. If you have a clearance, everything from confidential to top secret, you should get on there, look around for positions. If you're an employer, a government contractor, government agency looking for talent, then the talent is on there as well. So check them out from there. We'll be right back after this break. Listen to Fed Access with Derek T. Dorch from Federal News Radio, 1500 AM. Welcome back to Fed Access with Derek T. Dorch on Federal News Radio, 1500 AM, part of the Federal News Network. If you're just joining us, we've been talking about a number of different issues as it relates to the security clearance community right now. We've been talking about everything from background investigations to the clearance process dropping to the numbers dropping to new jobs that are starting to happen within the security clearance industry. So a lot of good news today, but we also have to talk about a couple concerns right now. We've got Evan Lesser on the line. He's the founder and president of clearancejobs.com. They've been in this industry for a long time, so he knows what's going on, and he's giving us the lowdown. Evan, what's happening with some of these apps right now, TikTok, Face App, and maybe some other apps right now that are, are concerns for some people in the security clearance industry? Yeah, so within the past uh, couple of weeks, there was um, a little bit of a hubbub 
because um, the U.S. Army was um, shown to be using this, this app called TikTok, um, T-I-K-T-O-K, um, to uh, essentially using it as a recruiting tool. And TikTok is, is really big with millennials and younger. Um, if you're not familiar with TikTok, it, it launched in, in 2016 and very quickly became a really popular app. And just the last couple of years, they're up to um, 500 million um, active users and about 150 million people are signing into TikTok daily. It lets you record short videos and, and share them with people. Um, TikTok is, is relatively large now in, in terms of size. It's the ninth largest social network um, behind you know, LinkedIn, Twitter, and, and Snapchat and others. But being ninth over the entire internet, it's still absolutely gigantic. The problem with TikTok, uh, TikTok is that it um, is created and run by uh, a company out of China. And if you look at some of the kind of fine print around the usage, um, the TikTok app is uh, essentially pulling down users' um, locations, their messaging, their phone numbers, their contacts, uh, browsing history, um, cell phone numbers, IP addresses, and all this stuff um, uh, is likely ending up on these Chinese servers. So for the Army to be using it definitely raised some uh, some red flags. You know, Clearance Jobs has done some reporting about it, and as far as security clearance holders go, it's probably not a smart idea to be using um, TikTok at this time. You know, how how do people find out? Because China has actually a lot of these apps are, are starting to be developed in China, right? Um, how do people find out if they're using an app that that is has origins from China? Is is there a way in which they can kind of is there a website that says who the apps are coming from? Is there kind of any kind of background check they can do on the apps? I mean, what can people do, and especially in the security clearance market? Yeah, it's probably a smart idea before you download an app um, to to do some googling on it and and try to figure out uh, where it comes from. You know, social apps in particular, are, are, um, are a little bit more difficult and tricky because they're gathering so much information from you. But mm-hmm. that's not to say that even an app like a, a, a game that you download um, may not be grabbing stuff from your phone. There are plenty of games out there where it seems like you, know, you don't even have to log in. You're just sitting there playing the game. But in the background, there's all kinds of information it could be getting from your phone. Right. A lot of these free games are doing that these days. These free games that people can play and the candy crushes and everything else. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You definitely have to do your research. Uh, One of the other recent apps that um, has gotten some some noise and fits this mold specifically is is FaceApp. And FaceApp is this um, kind of interesting app where you can – uh, download the app on your phone, and then you use your selfie camera to take a picture of your face or your friend's face, and then it has a bunch of filters where it can change you to look you know, male to female or young to old or old to young or you know, put makeup on you or hats or you know, whatever, and it seems pretty innocuous. And you would think that an app that is only gathering your face um, is not going to be a big deal, but it turns out that if you look at the terms of service for the face app, um, you're permitting the app to grab a huge number of analytics from your phone, log file information, device identifiers, uh, metadata, user data associated with, um, with your account, um, cookies, um, all kinds of stuff. And in addition to the fact that it's storing your photos right. um, on a server that's outside the U.S., now, FaceApp is actually created in Russia, and all of its servers where it processes its data is located in Russia, too. And people didn't realize that, and they started to download this app which looks very American and they download this app and 
they're playing with it, not realizing how much information is getting on the background. So just because it's a photo app doesn't mean it can't get all kinds of other info from you. Do you Bad think news that this for is security the, clearance holders. Do you think that this is the kind of the next threat right now in terms of kind of the, the app? I mean, our phones, I mean, you know, the phones have a lot of location information, a lot of our personal information. I mean, people, phones now are their computers almost, right? And so is this the oh, next yeah. concern for security clearance people in terms of agencies? And are they going to be putting out more guidance as it relates to these apps and what not to use and what not to do? Yeah, hopefully. And, and when, you know, a couple of weeks ago when, when the Army was, was you know, seen to be using um, the Chinese-owned TikTok app, um, some senators you know, sent around some messages saying, hey, this, this looks concerning and we need to check into this. And we may need to uh, evolve the Army's recruiting techniques to take some of this stuff into account. But, um, yeah, I mean, your, your phone can gather just as much information about you as – um, as, as your resume, you know, your, your phone is checking your location and mm-hmm. knows where you're, where you're going and what you're doing. It, it, you know, it's tied in with multiple websites and multiple services. It, it combines your work and your home life. So, so yeah, mobile is definitely the trend these days in terms of, um, data gathering that may be uh, a bit nefarious. Evan, thank you so much for all this information today. I know we ran out of time and we've always got more to talk about, but we'll catch up on the next time and get more about hopefully about what salary information, maybe some other things that's going forward that's happening in the security clearance market. Just thank you for being on the show today. It's good to talk with you, Derek. Take care. Take care. Thank you. You've listened to FedEx with Derek T. Dorch on Federal News Radio 1500 AM. We'll be back next week with a new show, so we'll see you then. This holiday, whether you're making a Baker's Simple Truth Turkey for 40 or a Murray's Baked Brie for two, Baker's has fast, fresh delivery and free pickup so you can make holiday meals that bring you all together to create memories that last. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Free pickup on orders of $35 or more. Restrictions may apply. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone. 